The beauty of sports is that we all come to expect the unexpected. And we all have our ideas about just how the 23-24 basketball season is going to go for North Carolina. But, Pat Kilby, what if things didn't go exactly as expected? That's exactly what we're talking about today. It's our first ever What If Wednesday. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shea. Joining me as he does every midweek is our guy, Coach Pat Kilby. And we want to thank you for joining us to make Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day. Coming up on the show today, I said it in the cold open, we're doing what we're calling What If Wednesday. I've got this bowl in my hand. If you're watching, you can see it. If you're listening, you can hear me shaking it. I've got a bunch of cards in here with what if scenarios. So what if blank happens? So I'm going to pull one out and then Pac and I are just going to answer it. So we're going to do, you know, three segments on the show. We're going to answer three questions. What do you think about that, Pac? Oh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be awesome. I think so too. I'm looking forward to it. By the way, if as you watch this show, you've got ideas, because we're going to do this more often. This is not a one-off thing. We both think it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you've got some ideas for a what if, send them in. If you join the Discord, you can drop them in there. You can tweet at us. You can email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com, whatever you want to do. So, Pac, I'm ready to just dive straight into this thing. What about you? I'm ready. All right, let's hit it. Let me pull out... One for us. All right, I got one. And it says, what if Elliot Cadeau takes a while to fully adjust? Oh, Pac, I think this is a great one. Uh, you know, we're all assuming that Elliot Cadeau is going to come in and be ready to hit it right out of the gate. But we know that um, freshmen, especially those who reclass, don't have a great track record in college basketball. Now, I know Elliot Cadeau is you know, of the age to actually be a freshman in this class, but he's not been playing with that class. So what do you think about what if Elliot Cadeau takes a while to fully adjust? Well, that's certainly a big what if, um, but I also, my own personal um, thoughts on Cadeau is that I'm, I'm kind of taking more of a wait and see approach more so than buying into the hype anyways. Um, and that to me is kind of what you just mentioned. It's, it's really tough to come into um, college basketball, especially at a program like UNC and just, you know, hit the ground running like, like you never missed a beat, you know? And um, so honestly, I kind of expect him to take a little bit to adjust, but. You kind of live with those lumps, I guess, a little bit. You have to. And, yeah. and here's the thing, you know, I mean, looking at the long term. You know, you may live with some bumps going through December, but when January hits, and this is kind of what we tell our players at the high school level, you're not a freshman anymore. You're a sophomore. We expect you to play like that. You know, we need you to play like that. And so, and we need that. But if it does take him a while to fully adjust, and it's truly January, and we're in the conference play before we get the true cadeau, then we're going to have 
potentially to take some lumps against a really tough non-conference schedule. And it makes our depth all the more important. And, um, you know, what really sticks out to me when I think about this question is how impactful can or will Paxson Wojcik be? Hmm. Why so? Why do you say that? Um, And what sticks out to me there is if Cadeau is taking a bit to adjust, then we can still rock with RJ at the one, but we'll need other options in there. And Paxson is somebody that sticks out to me as, you know, it could look like uh, RJ, Paxson, Ryan Cormack, Harrison Ingram, Armando, like a group, that five on the floor. um, And he becomes all the more important. And so – that's true. Um, I just, you know, I when I think about the will he take a while to adjust, my mind immediately turns to Wojcik and um, Seth Trimble. And yeah. will those guys yeah. be ready to help out and contribute and help fill that gap until Cadeau does fully adjust? Yeah. And I'm trying to remember back to like, what was it like for Kobe? What was it like for Cole Anthony? What was it like for Caleb and RJ? You know, because we've had multiple guys who have been tasked with leading the charge in recent years. And I know there's always that, man, it is so tough being the point guard, especially as a freshman in the Roy Williams era. I'm trying to think of, like, we don't really know that yet in the the Hubert Davis era, right? Like, is it going to be the same thing where it's as tough to be the freshman point guard for Hubert Davis as it was to pick up the Roy Williams system. Um, so that's that's going to be an interesting thing to watch happen. But it feels like, like thinking of those three most recent ones with Kobe and Cole and RJ slash Caleb, who do you think adjusted best to being a freshman point guard? Pack just in, I'm trying to think back on it in real time. Yeah, I, I think Kobe White definitely adjusted the best to it. Uh, and to be fair, he had the most talent around him. Let's say that. Too. And that's why I feel good about Cadeau is he is going to be surrounded by a true solid post player that will help relieve pressure in the half court. A true solid post player who just happens to be the best or the, you know, the most prolific rebounder in program history. Yeah, he's all right. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, he's got some senior leadership around him and RJ. That's um, huge. Cormac has got the experience. Harrison's got experience. So those things are really, really going to help Cadeau. And I like what you mentioned. It's not the true – traditional Roy Williams uh, secondary break sets into an offense that made it um, very, um, you know, the, the point guard shouldered a lot of the load in that system. This system is definitely a little bit different, especially since we've kind of uh, gone away from that secondary break. So that helps relieve some of that pressure. But I also would like to see us get back to it. And I've heard some rumblings that maybe we will. And so if that's the case, then maybe he does have a heavy load as the point guard and it will take some time to adjust. It's going to be really interesting to see. Here's another key factor. There's a new assistant coach on the bench and his name is Marcus Page. I think he will be critical for this. He's somebody else who, um, you know, like Elliot, for a long time has been thinking, oh, I'm going to be the the point guard in 2024-25. The reclass kind of step into things earlier than he expects. That was Marcus's story, right? He expects to come in and learn behind Kendall Marshall for at least a year. And, oh, kind of, oh, Kendall's going to go to the league now? Oh, cool. Here we go, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. both of them 
kind of have to uh, adjust to being the point guard earlier than they originally expected. And so I think Marcus has a very unique point of view on this. And, um, and so as Elliot, whatever level of adjustment period he has, I think Marcus is probably the single best person to be able to pour wisdom into him and to be out running at practices with him. I think as part of uh, like coach Robinson and I've talked about this a little bit, like maybe coach Davis won't bring in more walk-ons because you got guys like Marcus who can play in practice with them, you know? And so uh, all of that, I think is a factor in Elliot as well. Yeah. And if we could look, go back to um, kind of the talk about Kobe and Cole Anthony and those guys, you know, the difference for me there is kind of like what you mentioned. Um, I think that Elliot is going to have more talent around him than um, Kobe. Well, maybe not Kobe, but then Cole, Anthony Cole and RJ and Caleb. Yeah. Yes. But the, you know, the one thing is those guys were really um, scoring point guards. That's right. And Kadeau is not really that. Uh, I mean, it's not that he can't. It's just that's not his game. He's not a score first type of guy. Right. And I think that's a good thing, um, especially for this group that we have. We need to see him take on more of an early Kendall Marshall type role, more so than a Cole Anthony type role, uh, where he's just, you know, real shot heavy and uh, looking to score all the time. We want that Kendall Marshall push the break, look to pitch ahead, create for others, um, see how many what crazy amount of assists you can get in each game type of Kendall Marshall. That's what we need from Elliot Cadeau. And uh, I don't know how early we get it or how late in the season we get it, but I know if we get it at some point, it's going to make us real dangerous. That's right. And I think we might have to just take some of those lumps along the way. You live with some of the bad, some of the learning curve to get all that good. And there's a lot of good to get out of him. So to, to answer our question, what if Elliot takes a while to fully adjust? I think we've said the bottom line is you got a guy like Marcus who can help guide him. You got a guy on the floor with him and RJ who's been through it. And I think also you just accept and know right now that you're just going to take those and work through them together as a team and know that they might come. Well, Pac, I think we're off and running with our first ever What If Wednesday. I cannot wait to find out what question comes out of our What If Wednesday bowl next. We're going to look into that in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. I'm rocking the hat today. Pack that free Bird Dogs hat. I'm going to pull it low right now where you can't even see my eyes. You don't know what I'm thinking. Folks, I got to tell you, shorts and pants have always been something I just don't think too terribly much about. But that was before I ever put on a pair of bird dogs. And holy cow, let me tell you that now I think a lot more about shorts and pants because these bird dogs are so stinking comfortable that I want to be wearing them all the time. I wear them whenever I go to the gym because it's so comfortable and flexible to work out in that it just is incredible. But bird dogs are also perfect for any occasion, personal or professional or anywhere in between. Bird dog shorts just fit way better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. And perhaps my favorite thing is that Bird Dogs uses this anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps me cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take off your Bird Dogs. We promise you that. 
Folks, I want to remind you that coming up this Friday from 11 a.m. till noon Eastern on every Locked On YouTube page is Locked On College Football Kickoff Live getting you ready for this weekend of football as the Tar Heels try to stay undefeated 5-0 as they host Syracuse. All right, Pac, here we go. Second question. Our first one's answered. Boom, let's get that out of there. Man, that like, wow. I like sports. Thank you. You know, I appreciate that. What late night host is it that tosses things like that? Is it Fallon? I think it is Fallon, yeah. All right. Here's our next one. Pack, this one says, what if UNC doesn't use its depth early on in the season? Ooh, this is something we've experienced the first two years under Coach Davis, not using much depth. Is it, you know, after year one, it's a small sample size. You don't know if that was just because the – talent that there was slash wasn't that first year and then ahead of his second year coach davis said he was going to use that bench more and pack i think it's safe to say he still didn't and so the question now becomes you think you've got at least on paper your most talented team of the hubert davis era so what if unc doesn't use its depth early on in the season this brings up a lot of hard feelings (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm like e you know, the, I mean, well, the first thing that I think of is, since we just talked about it, is Elliot Cadeau. Um, assuming that he plays the amount that we think he'll play, um, we can't afford for him to not adjust quickly if we're not going to use our depth. Um, he becomes all the more important. And so um, I think that becomes a big deal. I think it becomes a big deal team chemistry-wise. Um, we got a lot of these guys in here either in the recruiting class or through the portal to come in here and help us. And if they don't come in here and help us and coach doesn't allow them to come off the bench and contribute, that's going to ruffle some feathers. And I think that's going to make things uh, really, really tough. And then also, you know, if we're not using our depth, then I just don't think we're maximizing our potential. Um, We've got depth. We've got a chance to, to wear teams down, tire teams out, um, keep fresh bodies on the floor without dropping off a ton, in my opinion. And I would love to see us have those, and I've talked about this a million times before, the clearly defined roles and let players come into those, be comfortable with those, succeed in those, use our depth to wear teams out, and uh, take advantage of the amount of bodies and good basketball players that we have at North Carolina that a lot of programs aren't privileged to have. Yeah. And, you know, the last thing for me is if we don't use that depth, what does that mean for us? Does that mean that we're having another transfer portal heavy off season? I don't want that. I want us to have continuity and guys that we can connect to as a fan base and guys that our program can build upon. It's not that I don't want us to use the transfer portal at all. I think it's a necessity. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I do want us to have mainstays too. I don't want it to be massive turnover every off season. And so I hope that we can find a way um, to use that depth, not only for success, but also to keep these kids, these young men in our program uh, more than just the one year and see you later. Yeah. Um, you know, my direct answer to the question, what, I already threw the card away. Uh, What happens if UNC doesn't use its depth early in the season? I think we get some of what we saw towards the end of that championship run two years ago where guys, I I honestly 
I know Carolina was playing its best basketball down the stretch, but it felt like the guys were just starting to break down. And I think it's that again. I, I just think failure to use your depth early on will have exponential ramifications negative later on in the season where what if a guy gets hurt? You don't have somebody that you already know and trust can come in and perform. What if, you know, if these guys are averaging 30 minutes a game, they're not going to be able to come in and be efficient or know like, hey, I can go hard for a five minute stretch, go catch a breather, let somebody else come in and play like that. For And so I, I, I love you going back to the question of role definition pack because it, it really is so critical. And, and here's the thing for me, and I think this might be an, I think people might like what I'm about to say, but when rubber meets the road with it, I don't think that a lot of people do like it. And here's what I mean. I know we all want to see early season wins, particularly in the marquee non-conference games, but I would take a couple early losses or a couple early games that are closer than maybe they should be. If it means getting guys reps and minutes and role definition so that they're ready when conference play comes. Um, and, and that, that doesn't even have to be in the, in the heat of the game, although I would love that. But like, one thing I'd like to see coach Davis do a little differently is once like, let's get the, the bench guys in earlier, um, like in, in games that are, are out of question already, whether we're blowing somebody out or getting blown out like let's get those guys minutes and so ultimately for me um i i think it's it's an opportunity to just find out what you have now part of the issue is with a 20 game conference schedule and all these built-in non-con things that you are committed to now like Jumpman invitational acc sec any of that kind of stuff you only get like Carolina only has four buy games this year, Pack three right out of the gate, and then one more right before conference play starts up when you go on the road to Pitt. Is that the first? Yeah, it's either Pitt or Clemson uh, are, the, are the first two like main chunk ACC games. And so mm-hmm. um, failure to find your depth early on is going to maybe not hurt you in the short term, but I think it ultimately hurts Carolina in the long term. Yeah, I totally agree. And I like what you said earlier about um, getting guys in and letting them get reps, even if it means a, a win is maybe a little closer than it should be. And I just want to add to that from my experience, like it's not always about getting reps. Um, as, as important as that is, I'm not taking away from that. Sometimes it's about gaining confidence. Hmm. It's about seeing what you have. Like, yeah, you might already know what Trimble can do, but if he goes and does it on the floor in front of 20,000 Carolina fans and he hears that crowd erupt, boom, there goes that confidence. And then you start to see it take place more and more and more and more. And that's when you see that growth in these players. And so I would really like to see us um, try to tap into that more than we have the last couple of years. Whew. Okay. Okay. Hopefully coach Williams is in coach Davis is here on that a little bit. And I guess that's something I need to, I'm always trying to reckon with this. Do I want it to be a certain way because that's how coach Williams did it. And I just don't like change or do I want it to be a certain way because I think it's actually better. And in this case, I recognize there is a little bit of both, right? Like it's been a hard right turn from how coach Williams handled depth to how coach Davis does. 
but I do think that it's better for the team. I really just do. Well, Pac, we got one more What If Wednesday question to pull out. Who knows what it's going to be? We'll get there in just a second. But first, I need to tell you all that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. I might like to also add that I'm undefeated right now in fantasy football. Thank you very much. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and you can bet on all sorts of stuff. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Pac, let me get out this What If Wednesday Bowl for us one more time. We got some more cards in here, tossing them around, and let's see what we can pull out. All right, Pac, this one says, What if the Tar Heels go 0-3 against Tennessee, UConn, and Kentucky? Before we got the ACC schedule, that was three games in a row. Now Florida State's right in between Tennessee and UConn. But Pat, in what you said earlier is a very difficult non-con schedule. This, to me, is probably the toughest three-game stretch. And I guess some of that's depending on who you play in in, uh, Atlantis, uh, who shows up for Carolina. But boy, Pat, that that Tennessee team, assuming that Zakai Ziegler is back and healthy, is going to be insanely difficult i think top 10 level good same with uconn although they just got some tough news about donovan Klingon uh potentially being out for a month hopefully he's back and healthy you never want to see these kids hurt and then kentucky while they had a tumultuous offseason have a cavalcade of incredible freshmen coming in and got back several guys uh thanks to west virginia and thanks to antonio reeves deciding not to go in the draft so pack what if the Tar Heels don't win any of those games, and they have a history of doing so in the last couple years. Well, for one, if we don't win any of those games, that's going to hurt a lot because um, <laughs> I don't really care for any of those three programs. But, <laughs> uh, you know, here's the real reality of it, in my opinion. Hubert Davis, since he's taken over as head coach, does not have a marquee regular season non-conference win. Hmm. Okay, he's got some good wins in the regular season. Ooh, people are checking you in real time right now, Pac. I I hear people flying to the schedule. Yeah, particularly, um, you know, at Duke, but that's a conference game. That's right. He's got, you know, he's got a couple big wins against Michigan. But, uh, yeah, but, but as you said, not marquee. You it's know? not like big time. You know, it's not. It's, it, those are good wins, but it doesn't feel like a huge win. Oh, they should have beaten Alabama last year. That's the yeah, one I keep going. That would have been big. But if, you know, if we can go beat a Tennessee, like you said, a top. All three of these teams are potential top ten teams: UConn, right. Tennessee, Kentucky. We go right. win one of those. That's that marquee win we've been looking for. So if we go zero for three against those, that's just going to continue to add to that knock of. Man, we really struggle in the non-conference under Hubert Davis. Or man, this this is just really going to be a struggle of a season, isn't it? And it's going to raise up all those questions uh, that all of us, uh, you know, whether we admit to it or not, we kind of have in the back of our head. And so um, that really scares me with that. Uh, although I do feel like we'll go win at least one or two of these, uh, 
but you know, here's here's the other thought I have on it. And if you guys remember, last year the big knock on Carolina not making the NCAA tournament was not enough quad one wins. And we're going to need to stack those up and build that resume up if we want to make the tournament. And not just make the tournament, but if we want to get a good seed. If we want to have, a, you know. Yeah, I don't want to just go to the dance. I want to be wearing a suit that's awesome and everyone thinks I look great. Exactly, exactly. You want to go in there in your orange and blue tux like Lloyd Christmas from Dun and Dun, baby. <laughs> but really, I mean, we want we want to have You're a looking chance. looking like Blippy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want to have that chance to make a real run at it and, and have an advant- advantageous bracket. Um, and so uh, those three games are all the more important. And if we go 0-3, that's going to be tough. And it makes the battle for Atlantis very important. Sure. It makes the Jumpman Invitational very important, almost – must win type games. But the problem is that, that you're playing Oklahoma in the Jumpman Invitational. I don't think they're that great. True. No, that's a great point. I mean, then you never know, right? Like we'll get into the season and we'll see, but I just don't think they're going to be that good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, but nonetheless, still one we can't afford to drop. That's right. Oh, 100%. We lose that one, it's going to hurt us even more. Like, wow, these guys lost those three and they lost Oklahoma. And they're going to say every Power Five non-conference that we played, we struggled in, you know. And so we've got to have those resume builders. And and 0-3 in these games would be an absolute tough blow. And it also is concerning because it means um, we're not clicking yet, you know. And it's not that losing to those three teams is just the end of the world. Those are three really good teams like we mentioned. But if we go 0-3 in those games, then something's not right. And – there's a chance of that. You know, I think we forget that a lot of these guys are coming from the portal. This will be their first year to go through a season together. This isn't like these guys have been playing together for four straight years, even though we do have a lot of veteran leadership on the team. And so there's a chance that, you know, we don't get right out of the gate running uh, as fast as we can and, and that we drop some games early, but it's still concerning nonetheless. What do you think? It really, and and I don't want to sound contradictory to what I just said in the last segment about like playing depth and I'm okay with taking a loss or two. Like, yeah, that that is still true, but I I you cannot afford, as you've said, to go 0 and 3 in these games, especially knowing like, you know, I, I said that these are three out of four games in a row with Florida State wedged in. Atlantis is right before the Tennessee game. And the last two games of that could be Villanova and Arkansas, who also are top 15, top 10 type teams this year. So you got a stretch of five games out of six where you're playing other, you know, again, depending on how the bracket makes down in Atlantis. I mean, this is a stretch right here, Pac, that could honestly make or break how the eye test feel, uh, you know, what people think about you from the eye test and what people, what the metrics all say about you, what the analytics all say about you. And so you don't want to mess around with this at all. And so, which by the way, I should say about the analytics and metrics, for those of you that like to keep up with that kind of stuff, uh, Andy Patton and I are going to have Ken Palm on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast tomorrow on Thursday. So make sure you check that out. Anyway, Peck, like I, I'm with you. I think like in a realistic world, I I just don't see Carolina dropping all three of these games. But then you look back and think to last year where they lost to Iowa State, Alabama, Indiana, then Virginia Tech, four in a row right there. I think you and I talked about that last week on the schedule reveal show. 
And like, so that there's a very real world where you do lose all three of these. And I think to answer the question, what if the Tar Heels go 0-3? I think the nation gives up on the Tar Heels. The AP voters give up on the Tar Heels. And you got a big old hole to climb out of. And you're putting a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure on yourself to overperform in ACC play, where you probably got to go 17-3 and to feel like you got a really good seed like you were talking about. And I just don't think that's a position, especially given the past four years of North Carolina outside of the championship run uh, where people already think not great things about you as a program right now. You got to prove them wrong. This stretch plus battle for Atlantis is a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, you know, you're right. And I like what you brought up about um, where things could potentially turn if we do drop these games. Um, that That's the part that really scares me is not just what does that look like for the NCAA tournament, what is that? What are people talking about our team, uh, or what are they thinking when they when they talk about our team? Is you know, I, I foresee a lot of questions around Hubert Davis's job. I foresee a lot of pressure on him. I foresee a lot of pressure on the players, and I think it could turn really sour. And uh, I, obviously, we hope not, and we don't think that's going to happen. But history does suggest over Hubert Davis's first two years that November and December are not his best months. And uh, we really need for him to prove us wrong in that. And uh, Or not really prove us wrong. I believe in him. And just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it won't happen. It's time to prove that narrative wrong. It's time to prove that narrative wrong. Exactly. And I hope that we go and do that. Pac, it's been a great first ever What If Wednesday. I love it. I think we should do it again next Wednesday. See what happens. We can start thinking of some more what ifs. Folks, once again, we would love for your what ifs. We can throw them in our bucket and get to them in future weeks. If you'd like to contribute to that, again, you can do that. Come join the Discord. The link for that is in the show notes. You can drop us a line on email, lockedontarheels at gmail.com. You can DM the show on Twitter or Pac or me, Locked on Heels at Coach coach underscore k23 or me at isaac shade also don't forget to subscribe to the show smash the like button you everydayers we want to thank you as always for coming to tune in with us it's always a great day to be a tar heel we'll be right back with you tomorrow but until then peace <laughs>